the Columbia Workshop. Radio's foremost laboratory of writing and production techniques presents a two-part adaptation of a great American classic of the sea, Moby Dick, by Herman Melville. Melville's place in literature is now securely established. He's one of the great novelists of all times. Moby Dick has been adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. A special musical score has been composed by Norman Lockwood and is conducted by Frederick Steiner. The two separate parts of the story will be directed to at the same time by Howard G. Barnes. The Columbia Workshop now presents part one of Moby Dick. Some years ago, in the 1840s, having a little money in my pocket and nothing to interest me on shore, I took myself to the old island of Nantucket. A heap of sand anchored off New England that returns its weight in whale oil every year. Down went I to the wharf with the whaling ship Pequod, wallowed in the tidewater, swarming with landsmen hauling aboard supplies. She was small, seasoned, weather-stained in the typhoons and calms of all four oceans. The rails and sheet blocks were fitted out with whalebone. A noble craft, but somehow most melancholy. Since when the black ballers preparing for sea, hey, hey, close the man down. I climbed up to the quarter deck, looked about for someone with authority to sign up on this vessel for the three years' whaling cruise. At last I spied him. He was brown and brawny, like most old seamen, and he talked with the antique speech of the Nantucket Quaker Brethren peppered with scowls from many hard gales and wintry watches of a lifetime at sea. I stepped up and called to him, Is this the captain of the Pequod? Supposing it was. I was thinking of shipping. Yeah. You see that no man took it up? Has ever been in a stove boat with a wheels, blue swaying tattoo on their ribs? I've been on several voyages in the merchant service, sir. Merchant service be hanged. Talk about that lingo to me. Come, sir, I... I suppose now you feel considerable proud of having served in those merchant ships. 
But this is a whaler lad. And, uh, what takes thee a whaling? I want to see what whaling is. And see the world. Oh. Want to see what whaling is, huh? Art thou the man to pitch a harpoon down a live whale's throat and then jump after it? Have you ever clapped eyes on Captain Ahab? Oh, are you not the ship's captain? Nay, hey, I be Captain Peleg, the owner. Ahab's captain. Ahab with his leg of chiseled ivory. His leg was lost, sir. Eh, devoured it was. Chewed up. Crunched by the monstrous Palmacity whale to ever chip the boat. Well, I'm still bound to go whaling, sir. Well, then I'll may as well sign the papers right off. Eh, here's the book. Three-year voyage, it is. I know. There. And can I see the captain? And what does they want of Ahab? Why, to... No matter. Thou canst not see him now. Captain Ahab's a queer man. Some say a sick one. Mark ye be forewarned. He lost his leg the last voyage by that accursed whale. And he's been moody. Desperate moody. And savage. But among sailors, a missing leg is common. Ahab's above the common. He's been in college as well as among cannibals. Been used to deeper wonder than the waves. And fixed his harpoon in mightier foes than whales. Aye, lad. Mark you well, Ahab. And hold him in awe. In the next day, there was a great activity aboard the Pequod. A whaling ship demands a three years' housekeeping, away from grocers, doctors, bakers, and bankers. The whaler frequents lonely seas without hospitable harbors. Hence, spare boats, spare spars, spare lines, and harpoons. Everything but a spare captain and a duplicate ship. Then, the last supplies were battened down in the hold. Mr. Starbuck, I'm going ashore. Aye, sir. Get me have blow. Take charge, Starbuck. This day, three years, I'll have a hot supper smoking for you, and old man took it. Goodbye, Captain Pelling. Look to you, Starbuck. Look to you all. Strike the gangway. Aye, sir. Now then, then the capstan. Good thunder, jump. Spring now. Now heave. Heave, crest your, break your backs. Here, Shandyman. Song to heave to. Aye, sir. We'll man the good capstan and run it around. We'll Rio. We'll heave up the anchor to this jolly sound. For we're bound to the Rio Grande. The way you Rio. Way Rio. So fare ye well, my pretty young girl. For we're bound to the Rio the shanty and clanking capstan, the Pequod slipped away from the wharf. A cold night breeze blew. A screaming gull flew overhead. We plunged blindly like fate into the lone Atlantic. For several days after leaving Nantucket, Nothing above hatches was seen of Captain Ahab. The ship was under the direction of the mates. The chief among them was Starbuck, 
native of Nantucket and a Quaker. An earnest man, a staid and steadfast man, with a deep natural reverence. Courageous, but he had no fancy to lower boats after a whale with the sun sunk beneath the rim of the ocean. The second mate was Stubb. He was a Cape Cod man, taking paddles as they came with an indifferent air. He presided over his whaleboat as if the most deadly encounter were but a dinner and his crew invited guests. A long usage had for Stubb converted the jaws of death into an easy chair. Like his nose, his short, black little pipe was one of the regular features of his face. <laughs> when, when Stubb dressed, instead of first putting his legs into his trousers, he put his pipe into his mouth. Then, there were the harpooners, savage men from the wild races of the earth. Weequeg, a cannibal from the South Seas. Feshtego, a gay-head Indian from the vineyards. And Dagu, giant chieftain from Central Africa. South we sail, leaving behind the merciless winter. Then, on one of those gray and gloomy mornings, I mounted on the deck for the forenoon watch, and there, on the quarter deck, the wind beating against his gray hair and tawny face and neck, was Captain Ahab. Like a fevered beast, he paced the quarter deck, and throughout the ship, echoed the horrible, heavy thump of the gleaming ivory post that served him for a leg. Sabbath, Mr. Sabbath. Hi, Captain. Send everybody up. Everybody? Hi. That's it, sir. Come down, everybody up. Move then. Stir away. All men assembled, Captain. They have good. Now then, what do you do when you see a whale? Sing out for him. And what tune is it, Japozo? A dead whale or a stove boat. Now, ye masthead lookouts, do you see this Spanish ounce of gold? Pure gold, man, do you see it? Now, look at me that hammer. Look at that gold shine, men, like the sun. The hammer, Captain. Now, listen well. Whosoever of you raises me a white-headed whale... With a wrinkled brow and a crooked jaw. Whosoever of you raises me that white whale with three holes punctured in his stabbard fluke, he shall have this ounce of Spanish gold. <laughs> Look here now. Look here. I'll nail this gold piece to the mast. <laughs> a white whale, men. Skin your eyes for him. Look sharp for white water. If you see but a bubble, sing out. Captain Ahab, that white whale must be the same that some call Moby Dick. Moby Dick? Do you know the white whale? Does he fan tell a little, sir, before he goes down? And has he a curious spout, too? Very bushy for a pharmacetic. Has he three harpoon irons in his hide, Captain, all twisted around? Aye, the harpoons lie all twisted and wrenched at him. Death and devils, men, 
It is Moby Dick, you've seen. Moby Dick. I... It was that accursed white whale that sliced me. Sheared off my leg. I'll chase him round Good Hope. And round the Horn. And round the Norway Maelstrom. And round Perdition Slain. But, Captain... That's what you've shipped for. To chase that white whale till he spouts black blood and rolls thin out. What say you, men? Will you splice hands on? T- Aye, a sharp life for the white whale! A sharp life for Moby Dick! Aye, sir. Go draw the great measure of grog. Grog all around. But, Mr. Starver, what's this long face? Wilt thou not chase the white whale? Nay, Captain Ahab. I be here in this ocean to kill whales for my living. Not to be killed by them for theirs. How many barrels of whale oil will thy vengeance gain us in Nantucket market? Money's not the measure, Stavok. My vengeance will fetch a great premium here, within my breast. Vengeance on a dumb brute that robbed thee of thy leg from blindest instinct? Madness, Captain Ahab. Blasphemy. Stavok... I hate the white whale. I'll spend the rest of my life to hunt him. I see in him outrageous strength and malice. The unknown, Starbuck, and I'll search it out. Talk not to me, you blasphemy. I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. Captain, take thine eye off me, Starbuck. So, thou palest, thou canst not stand against me. Now, lad, drink death. To Moby Dick! Swear ye harpooners! Death to Moby Dick! Shouted with the rest, and stronger I shouted because of the dread in my soul. Beneath us now in his cabin, brooded dark Ahab, madness maddened, searching a whole ocean, straining his ears for the call from the masthead that would launch us on the path of the white whale, Moby Dick. vast cruising ground of the Pacific. The days were sultry and the rolling swell of the ocean rocked the ship into a doze. High above the decks to look out scanned the desert of water. Aloft in the cross trees was Tash Tego, a gay-haired Indian harpooner. Suddenly he stiffened. But, sir, no, Captain. Here's one that does. Look ye, Mr. Stabbock. I've shipped my own crew. Wild ones, they be, from the far islands, living on the smell of blood. Now, lower away. Aye, sir. Lower away. Away it is. Mr. Stabbock, do you keep your belt away from mine? Aye, sir. Unship your oars. Uh, 
Stay back, Tom. Pull. Uh, pull. There she blows again. Get ahead. Pull. Pull, then. Pull. Break your back, pull. Pull for the miles of spell oil. Pull and start out your eyes. There she blows again. Pull me in the captain's boat. Never you mind. Maybe but five more hands to help. There's Moby Dick that's at the bottom of it. But it ain't the white whale today, so pull. Uh, hey, wait. Give way. He's gone. Sounded. Now, Queequeg, stand up. Sing out if you but see the shadow of a whale. No. No. Nothing. It go down the bottom, sure. Pull now. Roar and pull. Reach me on his black back. Pull now. There now. Get away, men. We're on him. Steady away. There's plenty of time to kill a fish. There go, Fuchs. Steady away. Stand up, Quick Ready, Harpoon. Well, there's his hump. Now give it to him. <laughs> mad and fury. They hold him close and handed him with three darts. And then, Mr. Starbuck, he spouts black blood. Aye. He's dead. The whale was dead, wallowing in the blood of his bursting heart. For the whale, mark you, is like you and I. For all his 70 feet of length, his blood runs hot, till led into the cold sea by Starbuck's lance. But now, our monster corpse must needs be hauled back to the ship. Hour after hour, the boats pull at the slaughtered whale, long after darkness settled on the ocean. Three lights at the Pequod's masthead dimly guided our way to the whale's great length pounded against the ship's side. Secure the whale for the night, Starbuck. Aye, sir. Now then, get those chains rigged. Ready there. Heave! 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 Tied by the head to the stern and by the tail to the bow, the whale now lies with its black hull close to the Pequod's. And at midnight, the weary boat crews drop into their bunks to rest against the morrow. Back to the whale bright and early. Up to the ringing, swing the enormous cutting tackles. Then the giant blubber hook swings out over the whale. Billy heaving. Now again, slowly. Swing it out to the left. Starbuck and Stubbs swung over the side and balancing on the slippery corpse, chop a hole in the mighty flank of the dead whale. The blubber hook swings down from the rigging and hooks into the bleeding hole. Starbuck, 
places a semicircle around the hook with his cutting spade. Ready now. She's set. Take her away. On board, the men fling themselves against the captain. The whole ship heels over at the strain. Every boat in the starts. She trembles, quivers, and a swift startling snap in the first long strip of blubber is peeled off and hauled into the air. Round and round swims the whale as the blubber is stripped off like the rind of an orange. Then, lowered into the hold of the ship, the nimble hands keep coiling it as if it were a blanket. Thus, all day and into the night. Call in the chains. Let the carcass go astern. The field body of the whale, minus the head, floats slowly astern, followed by the swarms of snapping sharks. Now... Only the giant head hangs by the Pequod's side. Through the rigging filters the cold light of the moon playing upon the blood-dripping head of the dead whale. deck strode Ahab. Then, holding himself erect, he fixed his burning eye on the black and hooded whale head hanging there. Speak, thou vast and venerable head. Speak, mighty head, and tell us the secret thing that's in thee. Of all divers, thou hast dived the deepest, where unrecorded names and navies rust and anchors rot, with bones of millions of the drowned. There in that awful waterland was thy most familiar home. Thou hast slept by many a sailor's side, O head. Thou hast seen enough to split the planets and make an infidel of Abraham. And not one syllable is thine. sailed over into the green Pacific, glorying at every spout. On the mast, the coin of Spanish gold gleamed. Every lookout paused to stare at it as he climbed the masthead. And Ahab, Ahab paced on his quarter deck till sunset, his keen eyes searching into the swell, longing for the sight of the bushy spout, wrinkled white forehead of Moby Dick. Sun, dry heat upon my brow. Though time was when, as the sunrise nobly spurred me, so the sunset soothed. No more. This lovely light delights me not. Gifted with high perception, I lack the low enjoying power. Cursed, cursed most subtly and most malignantly. Cursed in the midst of paradise. What I've dared, I've willed. They think me mad, but it's Moby Dick. Moby Dick, the white whale. Moby Dick, 
I, Ahab, will search thee out. Hunt thee. Though the green seas and howling winds should rise and drive the Pequod under, even if heaven hurl burning bolts, would Ahab hunt the white whale. Sail the Lord. Hey, Mr. Stabbard. Would we could raise the spout of Moby Dick as easily. Moby Dick. But why, sir? He's why? evil, Stabbard. Evil, malignant, monstrous. But to drive the ship, the men. Ship? The crew? They move at my will. My mind alone directs this microcosm, this world, this universe, bounded by oaken planks, sailing on an ocean of eternity, seeking Moby Dick. Nay, that's mad. Shrink, Stabbard. Rebel. And yet must thou obey the will of Ahab. Down helm! We'll hail that vessel. Down helm! Ahoy! Ahoy the delight! Ahoy the Pequod! Hath seen the white whale! Moby Dick! Aye! Look, you Pequod! See the shattered whale boat on the beams! White ribs and splintered planks! Aye, we've seen Moby Dick. Hath killed him. Nay, the man is not yet born. The devil will do that. Not born? Hear ye, Nantucketer. In this hand I hold his death. This arm will sink the harpoon to draw the black blood of death. Aye, that's what you say. See that hammock on the deck. I bury but one of five stout men who were alive yesterday. Four were buried before they died. You sail upon their tombs. Aye, I've seen the white whale. Where away! Twenty leagues hence, nor by nor east. Very well. Brace forward, uphelm, nor by nor east. Captain Ahab. Aye, Mr. Starbuck. Captain, the pumps turn up considerable oil from the bills. The oil casks below must have sprung a bad leak. So? We want up Burton's heave to and break out. Up Burton's and break out. Now that we bear down on Moby Dick like the threatening typhoon... Heave two for a week to tinker a parcel of old hoops. Either do that, sir, or waste in a day more oil than we can make good in a year. Had ye not, Moby Dick, is sighted. What we've come 20,000 miles to get is worth saving, sir. So it is, Sabbath, if we get it. I meant the oil in the hole. And I, the white whale. Let the cask leak. The world leaks. Yet who can stop it up in the deep-loaded hull? Or hope to plug it in life's howling gale? Let the oil cast fleet Stabbock, I'll not heave to. What will the owner say, sir? Let the owner stand on Nantucket Beach and out yell the typhoon. But Captain. Owners, owners. As if the owners were my conscience. Look ye, the only real owner of anything is its commander. And hark ye, my conscience is in this ship's keel. Captain may have a better man than I might pass over in thee, but he would resent in a younger man. I or in a happier. But dost thou then so much as dare to question me, begone? Nay, sir, I do entreat, and I dare to be for, for, forbearing. Shall we not understand each other better, Captain Ahab? Sabbath, see thou this pistol. There's one god that's lord over the earth, and one captain that's lord over the Pequod. Put up thy pistol, Captain. I ask thee not to beware of Starbuck. Thou wouldst laugh, but let Ahab beware of Ahab. Beware of thyself, old man. Thou art brave, Starbuck, but thou still obey. Careful bravery, that. Ahab, beware of Ahab. Aye, there is something there. 
But Moby Dick is close. The white whale. Unfurl the gallant souls. Shake out the reefs, storm and east. We sail for Moby Dick. So the world split. He shall spout black blood. So we chase him three times round the horn. Hey, that's Ahab's fate. Though grinning death with pointing finger, ride the bowsprit as we sail. Though Ahab starboard and the swarming crew sink downward, gasping through the pounding waves. Up, help! We sail for Moby Dick! You have just heard part one of the Columbia Workshop radio version of Moby Dick by the great American novelist Herman Melville. The script was adapted by Ernest Kenoy with a special musical score composed by Norman Lockwood and conducted by Frederick Steiner and directed by Howard G. Barnes. Appearing in the role of Captain Ahab is Neil O'Malley. Ishmael, who tells the story, is played by Sidney Smith and Starbuck by Charles Irving. Next week, the Columbia Workshop will present the second and concluding part of Moby Dick as the relentless tyrant of the good ship Pequod drives on in single-minded lust for the black blood of the fabulous white whale. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.